Uh, okay, uh, two words. Um, sounds like uh, blitz banners. I, I, I don't know. I give up. It's manners. Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? This fine Sunday afternoon. Doing well, thank you. Okay, cool. Great, great. <laughs> Good talk. Um, should we just wrap up now? Or... Um, so this is uh, a new episode. I don't know why I felt the need. <sighs> You're not listening to an old episode unless you've already listened to this episode. Oh, no. Oh, I've gotten all turned around. Um, I was about to say that this is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart, but I do say that a lot. I you just, say I have that a big a heart. I just have, <laughs> there's lots of room in there's there. There's so much room in my heart. You should get that checked out. I know. It hurts <laughs> a lot. It hurts so much. Um, we're talking about party games and uh, we've already had a like sportsmanship and we talked about like, you know, different sports and board games, but I wanted to focus like particularly on games that you don't necessarily need to like buy anything to play that, or, or if you do, it's like not, you don't go buy a box that has like pieces and, you know, uh, intricate rule sets. Mm -hmm. These are the kind of games that like anybody can sit down and play like charades you know charades is um you can definitely be skilled at but the concept is very easy to explain you sit down um and you guess what someone is acting out and you can't say words done easy right? right so that kind of party game um and i also had an inclination that there might be some interesting history on this one um, just from the number of times I've watched like Christmas Carol or Oliver and like seen people playing weird kind of parlor games. Mm-hmm. Um, I also wanted it to be an opportunity for me to share some of my favorite party games with the listeners. But let's start with weird history. So a little Here's history. Here's the thing. For, I just realized oh, something. Okay. I don't know if we've ever addressed this. Our cat, Willow, who I love so very, very much. She's very beautiful and kind of orangey-brown. Has lots of interesting patterns. Stripes. Uh, Brendel with spots. She's amazing. She will ignore us right up until we We start start recording. And as soon as we start recording, all she wants to do is be face-to-face with us. She does the same thing while I'm pumping. Why is this? I don't know. Oh, were you focusing on something? Now focus on me. I mean, it's the same reason why cats lay on laptops while you're working in the newspaper while you're reading it. I just, they just do. It's it's a thing. The what cats she do. really wants to do is rub her face on the foam microphone yeah, covers. That's true. So if you ever hear a weird like, <laughs> it's probably our cat's face. Anyways, history. Okay. Well, so. As far as parlor games go, I'm going to omit drinking and gambling games Mm -hmm. because those actually have quite a long history. Um, Whereas parlor games, like you described earlier, really only date back to the 18th and 19th centuries. 
and and drinking games i think maybe might be an eventual topic but mm-hmm. it's so different you might play charades while you've been drinking but drinking games in and of themselves are very interesting kind of like there are rules but also you play drinking games to get drunk mm-hmm. it's different it's different it's different yeah it's funny that you should mention charades which is a very popular game nowadays of course um According to my research, during the Georgian era, charades included solving a riddle or a well-known verse or prose. Um, And the word charade actually in France and Italy still refers to this kind of written linguistic riddle. More like a riddle. Yeah. Yeah. A riddle or a puzzle. Okay. Cool. Um, So in England, this game is traditionally played at Christmas and New Year's Eve. Charades. Yes. Okay. Um, and here's an example of one of the Georgian era ones I, I cited. To suffer my seconds, the doom of my first, and all of my seconds, my whole is the worst. Do you know what the answer is? To suffer my seconds, mm-hmm. the doom of the first, mm-hmm. the, what, the, and all of my seconds, my whole is the worst. Uh, a clock? No. What? Heartache. Oh, okay. I guess. Okay. If this was the Georgian era England, you would have known that for sure. Oh, all right. <laughs> Fine. All right. <laughs> cool. Um, so this is one of the things, uh, parlor games are something that people did either... <laughs> the cat is laying on top of me now. Um, either as like entertainment during the day for the, the family, the siblings, or entertainment during parties, mm-hmm. like dinner parties and such, uh, when you weren't at the table. Obviously, this may be after dinner party or, uh, sorry, after dinner games or mm-hmm. even before dinner, before you sit down. Because um, at this point in time, dinner still even could take like five, six hours. Um, especially during the Edwardian era, where they really uh, languished over their their dinner. Anyway, um, so this is what people did basically with their leisure time. And the reason why it's the 18th and 19th centuries is because this is when we really start to see a boost in the, the class of people that actually have leisure time. Mm-hmm. We talked about this before, where um, working classes and architectural, uh, sorry, agricultural based populations in, in America um, really only had time to work. But then hop into the 18th, 19th century, people start becoming a little more affluent and, um, you know, you're supposed to fill your leisure time with these sort of, um, you know, trifles, fun things. And they didn't have TV. Okay. So you got to fill that time somehow. (laughs) You got to do it somehow. Napping, I assume, was probably pretty big. Eating a five-hour meal. Five-hour meal. You start at lunch and pretty soon it's dinner. Ugh. So so exhausting. um, They actually, it was, you were supposed to Mm. fill your time with things that that gave self-improvement. So reading, um, writing poetry. Boring. Who needs to read? Uh, uh, 
learning about science or learning music or painting sleep 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 am i right everybody tell me about the games you may recall in um pride and prejudice a a novel by jane austen if you don't know travis have we done a jane austen episode Uh, i don't think we have maybe we'll have to do a jane austen in bio um they, they talk about a woman being accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are the sorts of things uh, like painting, drawing, playing a musical instrument, maybe singing, um, needlework or design, uh, reading, learning languages, all of and learning dances and, and all kinds of stuff. So this is what people who had the time filled their time with. Oh, needlework. Forgot about that. So as far as these games go, dear. Yes. There may be a couple that you recognize and there may be a couple that you don't recognize. Okay. I want to start out, first of all, with um, the game of yes and no, which you mentioned, uh, Charles Dickens, A Christmas mm-hmm. Carol. This is one game that is often pictured Okay. in in uh adaptations movie adaptations oh it's 20 questions right sort of yeah so there are there are two iterations of the game of yes and no one is the 20 questions where you're supposed to ask yes or no questions you know animal or vegetable right mineral or all that kind of stuff right um and you can answer with yes and no there's another iteration of this game where you ask yes or no questions and you're supposed to answer with anything but yes and no. Hmm. So, for example, in the movie in Muppet Christmas Carol, when they're at Fred's Christmas party, they are trying to find Scrooge, but they're talking about... So someone says, is it an animal found in the city? And then... Fred says often or he says always or is it found on a farm and he says certainly not so you just don't say yes or no you You, have to answer a little more creatively exactly got it got it got it uh that is depicted in those movies also the minister's cat yeah that's the one i know from scrooge Mm -hmm. um albert finney it's my it's the mcroy family favorite version um, where you go around and depending on what letter you're on, you have to describe the minister's cat with an adjective. So like if you were on F, you'd say, minister's cat is a frightful cat. The minister's cat is a funny cat. The minister's cat, until you get to somebody who can't think of an F word and then they're out. And then you move on to G and start again until someone can't think of one. So like you work through the alphabet until everybody is uh, out of uh, descriptive words and the last person left wins. Mm-hmm. And often it's uh, people clap along to a kind of beat to make sure that people don't take too long thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're right. That's in the Albert Finney Scrooge one. Um, and there's another game that they show sometimes in Scrooge's past mm-hmm. called Blind Man's Bluff. Where I've heard that term but i don't know what the actual game is well it's got it's kind of like marco polo okay but everyone sits in a circle and one person is blindfolded in the center and 
they either have to find a person and like feel their face or um or touch them in some way sometimes usually like there has been (laughs) different iterations where like someone would put an elbow out or put a knee out or something like that anyway and you're supposed to guess who they are um or they might be hidden stationary kind of around the room um or they might be able to speak and disguise their voice. So it's basically just blindfold you and guess who it is. Cool. Okay. That was um, depicted in an 1803 print of children's illustrations. And man, it it looks kind of rough. They're, they're spinning the blind man around and beating him up and a couple of these games yeah a couple of these games have to do with a lot of of physical uh what should i say danger (laughs) trickery Mm. there's another one it's called moriarty Okay, yes, like the bad guy from Sherlock Holmes. Like the bad guy from Sherlock Holmes, and this was during the Victorian era where two people would um, sit on their knees facing each other with a newspaper rolled up in one hand, and you basically try and hit the other person without moving your knees. Oh, sorry, you're blindfolded as well. Oh, okay. So I was going to say, all right, so <laughs> just whack on him a bunch. Got it. You're blindfolded as well, and you're supposed to hit the other person, and the one who uh, gets the most hits on wins. Huh. Okay. Like I said, they didn't have TV. Okay. That just that one just kind of sounds like a bummer. Uh, I mean, I guess a rolled up newspaper wouldn't hurt that much. Would it? I would like, can I tell you, as long as you're talking about party games, can I sure. tell you about one of my favorite ones that people can play? It's very easy. Okay. This was a macro family vacation staple. Oh, we called it Ghost. Um, you might have had different names. I don't know where we got this game from. But basically what it was is you would go around and you would each say a letter. And the end goal was to spell a word. But the person who finished the word was out so for example if i said um let's say if i said t and you said a and i said s and you said t i would have to say like e or y or i could say i in g and i'd still go out you know what i mean so as soon as a word has been completed that person's out and if they say a letter that the other people don't think is headed towards a word, you can challenge that person. So like if it was T-A-S-T and I said G, you could say challenge. And if I didn't know a word that was spelled T-A-S-T-G, I was out. Oh, wow. Um, And so the trick of it is you have to be careful that you don't accidentally spell shorter words mm-hmm. while your head, like if you have treaty in your head and you spell treat, you're out. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, and so it's just a simple game that you can play like while you're, you know, waiting for a table at a restaurant or on a road trip or, you know, sitting around, um, you know, waiting for a TV show to start with your friends or something like that. Ghost. It's one of my favorites. Are those instructions clear? If that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a spelling game, a word of a uh, game of wit. Um, and your one about the newspaper made me think about uh, 
a game. It's a, it's a more physical game, but nobody should get hurt. It's oh, not okay. the goal. Okay. Um, we call it slap wrestling, where basically you stand face to face about mm, a foot or so apart, enough that you know you have comfortable distance between, and you put your hands up, right, like in front of you, palms facing each other. Okay. Well, like facing the other person, so kind of like you're pushing on a wall, right? And then the goal is you kind of push against each other's hand, like slap each other's hands. You can't like hold their hands and push. You have to like bump against it Mm -hmm. and you're trying to make them like take a step forward or backward. So you can also the two things you can do, push your hands forward or move your hands away when they go to slap them. Mm. So that way they could stumble forward. Or if you can catch them off balance and like slap their hands back, they have to take a step backwards. And that's a fun game to play if you want like a little bit more physical, like stand up, let's do it and kind of play, um, you know, uh, like brackets, you know, okay, but a tournament. you can't like touch their body or anything like that. So it's not about like hurting anybody. It's just trying to make them lose their balance. That's good to know. OK, I have more, but I'll come back to them later. Here is a game that I found played in the Regency era. Uh, speaking of Jane Austen. And so <laughs> this, it's, it's hard to describe in the way that makes it sound fun, but it seems that people had fun. What you did was you would, it was kind of like Jenga, right? Mm-hmm. Where they made kind of a mountain of flour on a plate and place a bullet on the top of the flour. So then everybody would have to kind of poke at the mountain of flour and okay. that would cause little avalanches, right, in the fl- uh-huh. in the flower. Are you visioning this? Yes. And the person whose poke caused the bullet to fall into the flower mountain had to put their hands behind their back, put their face into the flower mountain, and dig around using only their face and mouth to retrieve the bullet with their teeth. Hmm. I see. Um, okay. <laughs> apparently, the hardest part of this game was not retrieving the bullet because it's pretty easy to find the hard piece of something in a mountain of flour, but not laughing and inhaling the flour causing you to choke and aspirate and maybe die. Yeah, that's, oh, that's a real <laughs> challenge. So a real challenge. A real challenge. You know, I've never played Ghost, the spelling game, and said like, yeah, it's hard to come up with words, but even tougher if you spell the wrong word and you die. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of dying, oh, no. what's more fun than fire? A lot of things. A popular Victorian game in the same same way, but with a little twist, uh, a current or sometimes a or a sultana, something plump and unctuous was placed in a bowl of brandy, and the brandy was set on fire, and you had to uh, put the put out the bowl of burning spirit with your mouth, extinguishing the flames and getting the current from the bottom. So it was like the world's most dangerous version of bobbing for apples. Yeah. It's like if you were buying for apples and also the water's on fire. That was called Snapdragon. Probably because of how quick you had to do it to not burn your face off. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Was mm-hmm. this a period where people had a lot of facial hair? <laughs> <laughs> the Victorian era. Oh, no. Um, 
So one of the things that I found that was pretty interesting is you would play a series of these games and then you would play something called forfeits, right? So every time you lost a game, you were, you accrued one of these forfeits. Mm-hmm. You're, you're nodding your head like yes, you've heard of sorry, this? Sorry, I forgot this is an audio format. Mm-hmm. Go on. <laughs> Are you nodding because you've heard of it or because you're with me? Because well, I'm, I'm with you. Oh, okay. And the forfeits turned into kind of a a truth or dare without the truth sometimes. So like every forfeit you had, say I lost four games, I had okay. four forfeits. I would have to do four little kind of maybe embarrassing, maybe titillating, maybe um, maybe difficult riddle solving or something. I would have to described by the other people. So to, so depending upon the age group, these were either you would have to um, recite maybe a like a, a, po- a poem or a dirty limerick or you would have to you would be dared to kiss someone else's something, usually boot or or, you know, depending upon the age group, maybe cheek. Ooh. Um. So then you would have to have to do all these things and then that would be your punishment for losing the games, I guess. Hmm. That was okay. another game made from the other games called Forfeits. Okay. Can I tell you about another modern game that I really like? Sure. I think you've played this one before with us. It's uh, called Werewolf. Oh, um, yeah. Werewolf, all you need is a deck of cards. And basically... Uh, the long and the short of it is uh, one or one or two cards, depending on how many people you're playing with, uh, are generated as like the werewolf. So like the jacks, right? If you get a jack, you're a werewolf. Um, and then there's other roles to play. Uh, the doctor, the detective, there's other things. But basically, everybody gets dealt a card. They keep it secret and they know what role they're playing. Then they put their heads down and the moderator says, okay, werewolf, open your eyes and look at me. And then the werewolf or werewolves will make eye contact with the moderator um, completely silently. So then the moderator knows who the werewolves are. And then the moderator will instruct the werewolves to pick a villager to kill that night. And they'll do so silently. The moderator will then say, okay, werewolf, close your eyes. Werewolf, close their eyes. Then, depending on what the other roles are, so for example, the doctor... Um, can pick somebody to save, which if that person turns out to be the one the werewolf attacked, they survive the night. Uh, the detective can make an accusation, like point to who they think is the werewolf, and the moderator will like nod or thumbs down or whatever if it's right or wrong. And then um, during the day round, which is the, the second half of each round, everybody opens their eyes, and then, you know, they get to talk now and talk to each other. And everybody's trying to figure out who the werewolf is. And if at the end of that round, the uh, consensus is the werewolf, then the villagers win. But if they pick the wrong person, that villager dies and they start another round. Um, so the goal for the villagers is to figure out who the werewolf is. And the role of the werewolf is to try to stay hidden and keep killing off villagers. Um, and once you get down to, I mean, depending on how many people you're playing with, once you get down to so few people that it's like two werewolves and one villager, then the werewolves have won. 
Um, that's a fun one you can look up. And there's like uh, Ultimate Werewolf is a game you can buy that has a lot more cards in it and a lot more instructions and that kind of thing. But it's a super fun game if you have friends that like to like lie and pretend and use subterfuge and that kind of thing. Um, especially like the more people you have, the more fun it is. Um, I've played with upwards of like 15, 16 people before. It's really fun. It's a good one. Werewolf. Look it up. A lot of these, if you're interested in them, I would not try to play a whole game of it just based off of my weird broken up <laughs> instructions. But go, uh, you know, do a search for it and find it and play it yourself. They're great. Uh, I have one more party game uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, and this one is simple, but all you need is like a big enough space for everybody to like move around. Like you couldn't just play this in one room. Um, it's called uh, Assassin or could be called Murderer. It's different names is for it. what about mafia is this the same one no mafia is more like werewolf oh okay, okay. um mafia is a going to but uh so assassin is like um everybody puts their head down and you know so two- heads up seven up no <laughs> let me finish so put your head down and depending once again depending on the size one or two people are denoted as uh the the killers um and this can be like you walk around and tap on the shoulder or whatever Right. So then everybody gets up and just starts walking around. And it works best if you have a bunch of different rooms that people can move through and hallways and everything. And basically, if you are the assassin or the killer, you want to make eye contact with somebody and drag your finger across your throat, you know, and like, I'm going to kill you gesture. Right. Mm -hmm. And then that person in their head counts to five and then drops dead. And. If you see a dead body, everybody yells, dead body, dead body. And everybody comes running into that room. And then everybody, uh, whoever spotted the dead body, gets to make a guess as to who they think the killer is. So it's kind of like Clue. Live action Clue. Yeah, it's kind of like Clue. And basically, your goal as the killer is try to wait until you're alone with somebody so nobody else sees what happens. And you can like, (laughs) and then get you know, out of the way. So when somebody finds the dead body, you're long gone, right? And or, so, or Cluedo, if you're British. Yes. And everybody else's goal is to try to keep moving and, like, stay, you know, around crowds and, like, keep other people around, not be caught alone in a room with someone. Um, you know what I mean? And so then when a dead body's found, if you're the killer, everybody gets to, like, discuss it. And after, you know, 30 seconds or whatever, the person has to make a guess. So that's a chance to be like, listen, I'm just saying that when I walked in the room, I saw them leaving. So like, you know, a little bit of subterfuge there. But it's is a- the assassin allowed to call out the dead body? You know, I don't think so. I've never seen that happen. So I'm going to say no. Okay. But maybe. I don't know. Look it up. But it's a great <laughs> game. I don't know. Read a book. It's a great game. <laughs> um, one, to get everybody like up and moving around. It's a great kind of mixer game. Because while there's not a ton of like talking, everybody's like making eye contact with each other and you get those kind of like funny moments of like, I'm not I'm going to keep an eye on you. Oh, I don't trust you. Ah, Right. And so it's a good way to get everybody to kind of like socially mix with each other instead of just everybody sitting down in groups of four Mm -hmm. and like never moving around throughout the night. It's just a good way to get everybody to like make eye contact and kind of hang out with each other. It's really fun. Very um, cool. Yeah. I would like to give special thanks uh, to my friends at Rocket Jump, uh, where I used to go to game nights when I lived in L.A., and we played a lot of these games with them. 
Um, and I, I, I learned about a lot of different games playing with them that I hadn't played anywhere. Oh, I'll do, uh, yeah, I'll say one more because okay. it's really fun. It's called Two Rooms and a Boom. Um, and this one you could do with um, playing cards um, or there's like special, I think Two Rooms and a Boom is a game you can buy, but you can make these cards too. And basically you split everyone up into two teams by handing out uh, cards. And I think the actual like box set of the game you can buy is like red team and blue team. Um, and then the red team are uh, assassins and the blue team are secret service. And the blue team is trying to protect the president. So one person's card will have a blue square and say the president and everyone else's will be like blue and say, you know, the secret service. And so if you were playing with playing cards, you could probably just do like a king. Okay. And all the other ones. Anyways. And then on the red side, they're all assassins and one person is the bomb. Okay. And the goal of the assassins is to end the game with the president and the bomb in the same room. And the goal of the Secret Service is to end the game with the president and the bomb in two separate rooms. Makes so sense. You have two rooms and someone in each room is declared the president of that room or the leader of that room. And then at the end of each round, in the end of the first round, there's three people exchanged from room to room. At the end of the second round, there's two people exchanged from room to room. And at the end of the first round, one person from each room goes from room to room. And then the game's over. Mm -hmm. And so during the rounds, you walk around and you can choose. Like if it's like, hey, I'll show you my card. If you show me yours, then then I can prove to you that I'm Secret Service too. And you're trying to figure out who is on what team, who's the bomb, who's the president. And at the end of a certain amount of time, the leader decides who to send from room to room. Okay, so you know who the leaders are, but you don't know unless you share what everyone else is. Right. Okay. And so the goal is to say, like, I'm on the red team. I promise you, if you're on the red team, I'll show you my card and then you show me yours. And once you've made once you've agreed to show cards, you have to show cards. You can't just say like, oh, okay," And then look at their card and walk away. Mm, Um, That is a good rule. Yeah. But it's it's once again, another good like mingle mixer game because everybody has to talk to each other anyways these are very fun games that i highly recommend that sounds good um and you know what i think it's time to take a break hear some promos and then answer some questions Following the news is hard and it sucks. How do you know which stories are important? Which sources do you trust in this post-truth world of reactionary journalism? I'm Brent Black. And I'm Travis McElroy. And we host a podcast called Trends Like These. We cover trending news stories. We debunk misleading clickbait headlines. And we always try to throw in a little bit of good news. In our quest for truth. So join us every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Mugs, shirts, stickers, patches, tanks, and more are yours for the purchasing at MaxFunStore.com. Hey, you already love the podcasts, so why not take this to the next level and outfit your home and bod with our merch? MaxFunStore.com. Because if you have to wear a shirt, it should be one of ours. Okay, so you all tweeted a lot of interesting questions at us, so let's address them. Um, this is from at vexing thoughts who asks if multiple people bring games of different links slash complexities, 
what is a good way to ensure everybody gets one of their games played? This is a great, I, I will come right out and say, and I, I don't think Teresa will disagree with this. Um, I am not always the most gracious when it comes to parlor games. I am most often the one who's really pushing for my own game to be played mm -hmm. and pushing fairly aggressively. Even if it seems like everyone's only mildly interested in playing a game, <laughs> I will say like, hey, didn't we talk about, we were talking about playing a game, right? Everybody, that's it. We're, yeah, well, I, we're, I have one right here. I'll explain the rules to everyone. Everybody, everybody wants to play. Yeah, 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 let's just sit down and get started. Let's just play one round and see if you like it. Oh, well, we, we you can't tell if you can only do it after one round. Let's go up a couple more. I think it's a thing. I, I will say from my point of view, it comes from a good place of like, I have fun playing this. And I know this, this isn't the question, but like I have fun playing this. I want to share my fun with mm -hmm. everybody. But this is an important, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Because the important lesson is different people have fun in different ways. And so you might love playing that game. And it might make you very happy. But that's because you like playing it. You want to play it. And if everybody else doesn't want to play it, you will cause them to have a negative reaction to the game because you're forcing it. So that's not the question that Vexing Thoughts asked, but I will say that it's just a personal lesson I'm working on of wait and see if everybody actually wants to play something and what they want to play, um, rather than making the decision that the whole party will be better if they play the thing you want to play. When it comes to this question, I think that this is one of those read the room type situations. Um, obviously, everyone who brings a game wants to play that game. Uh, but I think you have to look and see what kind of interest there is in any particular game, what, uh, how much party might be left. I mean, if this yeah. is something where you've already been hanging out for a while and it's getting late or, um, maybe you're just waiting for, for dinner to be ready or something. Yeah. If it's like a cookout and everybody's mm -hmm. like about to eat, it's not really the time Maybe a shorter game. Yeah. Or something like that. I I really wish that there was something I could I could say to this question asker to be like, you should always choose this game because this game does that. But there really isn't. You have to you have to really read the room and you know, maybe if uh if everyone still really wants to play their own game, uh if the party is big enough, maybe you can divide up into a couple of different game rooms. Or uh, you can say, well, we played John's game this week. Let's play Sue's game la uh, next week. Take turns and, and you know, get those games, a give everyone a chance to have their own game night. I also think that um, you can do a lot of preemptive work on this, too. Like, if there's a game that, like, you know, somebody's been dying to play or that you really want to play, uh, make sure to tell that friend, like, hey, be sure to bring over... Um, monikers. Yeah, bring over monikers with you. And then when you're talking to everybody else about the party, be like, and Dave's bringing monikers so we can play, right? So, mm -hmm. like, then you're letting everyone know that that is part of the plan. The same you would if you said, like, I, we're having... We're setting up the grill. So if you want to bring... Um, something to put on the grill, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that in general, at least when I do, and I'm a very aggressive game, like, pusher. We already talked about that. Yeah, but <laughs> when I, if I bring games with me, 
I my expectation is not that we will play everything I brought or even anything I brought. Um, a lot of the times it's it's a like just in case kind of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I and so I think that like if somebody brings a stack of games, I doubt that their expectation is and in the next three hours we'll play all of these games. Um, sure. But I think discuss it ahead of time is is helpful. Um, this is from Proto Dan who asks, how do you politely deal with quarterbacks taking control of a team? Conversely, uh, if you uh, how to get other weaker players more engaged? Um, I'm going to address the the players that need more engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll address that first. I think a really great way is to have teams of players. So maybe it's not like a, a real team game, but if you have two people playing together, the cooperation needed is a lot higher, so they have to be more involved. Um, like a lot of the times when we would play kind of those uh, those board games where you move from room to room mm-hmm. and you look for stuff and you find things, I usually have a lot more fun if I play on a team with you because I'm not as 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 good of a thinker on my feet to think about, well, should I search this room? Should I draw a card? Should I do this kind of stuff? But you really know how those games work better. So I have a lot more fun if we play together on a team as one player. Yeah. I I would also say, um, as far as getting people more engaged, there's such a variety and spectrum of games. Like, for example, uh, a game like Sushi Go or uh, Roll Roll with it? Roll for it. Roll for it. Roll for it. Or, I mean, some of like Assassin where you're just walking around. Um, that's a game that like you explain the rules. It takes you two minutes um, and anybody can start doing it versus like betrayal at house on the hill or like the game of Thrones board game uh, where like, okay, do you have 45 minutes for me to explain the rules to you? And like, even then it's like, okay, well you're not going to get this on your first playthrough. Like if somebody doesn't want to play that game or isn't that kind of like player, you're not going to get them engaged on it. Mm-hmm. So I would say that if you know you have people at your house that are at the party who, you know, are interested in doing something fun, but aren't the type of person who's interested in learning a whole new rule set, have some, you know, simple uh, rules kind of games in your back pocket. You know, something's easy for everybody to pick up. And then for the, the quotes quarterback mm-hmm. question, um, usually what happens is, one person kind of rises to the top as a leader to try and compensate for the other people who are not as engaged. So a really great way to keep that from happening or to, to level the playing field a little bit is to up your engagement. If you see someone who is really domineering the game, it's because they feel like they need to, to keep it going. But if you up your engagement and you become a more active player, a lot of times this person will back off a little bit because they see that things are are moving along more smoothly and they don't have to direct as much. Yeah, and I, I would also suggest that if if you know a person who like does it every time. Travis. Like, mm, fair. Maybe <laughs> rotate, you know, like are they on a team or are they the person giving clues this time or are they the moderator of the game this time or 
um, you know, different games that maybe don't have teams or like just, you know, switch it up. Um, but I also think it, it's also fair to pull someone aside and say something like, hey, um, I'm trying to get these these people into this new game. If you could, you know, play a little easier this time just so everybody can participate and kind of get a feel for how the game works so everybody can kind of get the rules down. Like, I think that's totally fair to ask. You know what I mean? It's not saying like, hey, don't have fun this time, but more saying like you and I know this game, but they don't. So if you can like let everybody else, you know, try to maybe take a little easy on them, that kind of thing. I think that's fair to ask. I think so, too, especially in the nice way you put it. That's the thing. Like the next question uh, is from uh, Deandra, I'm guessing, who says, how competitive am I allowed to get before it's too competitive? Um, and and I think that that's uh, it's a very important I used to be. I don't get this way anymore, but I used to be like bad to play games with. Like, I mean, in my like my teen years where like. I wasn't quite a board flipper, but I was close. Mm. Um, because, Little temper flares, maybe yeah, when you weren't I, getting getting the right pieces or something. I think because it's so easy to um, the the line between like having fun and being invested for some people is very easy to then flip over into too invested mm-hmm. and like really putting stakes in it, especially a game like you know, Risk or um, the Game of Thrones board game um, where there's, a, like, it feels very epic Emotions very, can yeah. run high. But I think that um, the answer of how competitive is, you know, uh, don't be the most competitive person <laughs> in the room. Same as, like, drinking. Don't be the most drunk person in the room. Don't be the most competitive. You know what I mean? If this is something that that you are trying to improve in yourself and you don't want to be the most competitive person in the room, just try and know that about yourself um, so that you can, this is another read the room um, where if you, if you find that you see other players not having as much fun because you are contributing too much to the game, then you know, you're the person who can tell yourself the best to back off a little bit. The, the, Teresa, you've hit on an excellent point, which is I'll tell everybody a secret. I can't believe I'm giving away all my secrets. Oh, man. Here's the secret. When it comes to party games, the only way to actually win is for everybody to have fun. Oh. I know. So if you are winning at the expense of other people's enjoyment, you're actually losing friends. <laughs> um, <laughs> this has turned into an after school special. But that's the thing is like uh, it's there's a difference between like playing Monopoly and playing charades. You know what I mean? Like and even Monopoly. This is the other thing. I think here's what makes it difficult. Deandra. Deandra. D. Um. Is I've also played games with people who are being way too nice, mm-hmm. where it's a game about like you know being cutthroat, and there's and it's like why didn't you attack that person or why would you trade with them? You know, and it's like I don't know. It's and it's like okay, that's also not a fun way to play. You know what I mean? So it's trying to strike that balance of what is the game called for, and not doing more or less than that. So a little bit of practical advice as far as this goes. I think that 
as long as the focus stays on the game, people will understand your competitive nature, but don't let it ever shift focus to the other players. So things like being really into that Game of Thrones on, you know, I'm going to attack here and place my armies here and do that kind of stuff never escalates to you betrayed me. We made a pact, you know, well, that, that does kind happen of thing. Sometimes, but that's fine. Right. As I mean, long as it's in the spirit of the game and not like Derek. Right. You, you should, jerk. You should keep it under your hat enough so that it doesn't escalate to um, to hurting the other players outside of the game, even um, if it's a game where you're supposed to hurt people. And Amy asks, how do you politely deal with competitive spirits who are making the game too high stakes and ruining the fun for everyone else? And I think it's fine to say, especially if it's like super obvious to everybody, I think you say like, hey, I think we all just need to take some breaths and remember that this is just a game. Um, and if this is a repeated behavior from this other person, I think it's fine to have a conversation with before any games happen where you say like, hey, listen, I know you get really into these and I know you love playing these games and we love playing these games with you, but it gets really tough to enjoy the games when, when it becomes super competitive and when you get too excited about it, if you get too emotional about it, it gets hard to just focus on the game. Um, so let's all just have fun and keep it based on fun and not about winning. In addition, I think a really great idea is to build in breaks, mm-hmm. um, especially for longer games. Like I know when you guys played the Game of Thrones board game, you would build in every half hour, 45 minutes, a 15 minute break where everybody can just walk away. And I guess if they want to talk about their alliances or whatever, that was why we built it in. So you could all uh, whisper. They can the do that, but it also kind of releases the tension for a little bit. And if you find that this is a common thing for your, your game nights, um, then you, it takes a while to build that back up again. So try and cut it off by taking regular breaks. Cash asks, how do you sit out playing a game without making everyone else feel awkward when you're at a smaller party. This is actually something that I have dealt with in my life because I tend to sit out games because I'm not, it's not that I'm, I'm not a game person. You're the least competitive person I've ever met in my entire life. I'm, I'm just not very competitive. And so it is hard sometimes for other people to play because I care so very little. (laughs) And then she keeps winning. Because she cares so she has won Settlers of Catan so many times because she just doesn't care. And so she just plays with ease. <laughs> no, but that's true. And and the thing is, is so many people read that when you're like, oh, I'm fine as, oh, she's scared to play because she doesn't know how to. Right? right. Or like, oh, she feels intimidated. So she don't, I promise you'll have fun. And it's like, no, I it's that I don't want to. Or it's that I'm sad or yeah. that, you know, and, you know a, a bunch oh, of other feel things. Welcome. Um. And it's not that. It really isn't. So I've tried hard in my life to cultivate relationships where people take my word seriously. And I say, no, I'm not really into it. Thanks. Okay. And then they don't feel awkward and I don't make it awkward. And I usually sit back and have more fun watching people play games than I do actually playing them. Um, If you're at a really small party, this can be hard, especially if it's something where like you need four players for a game. Um, so I think that if, if you really don't want to play and you really do want to just sit out, um, make sure that you're honest 
and you don't couch it with any kind of like, oh, I don't know how to play or yeah, inflection to any of that kind of stuff. Honest and open communication is usually appreciated. Just say, I really have more fun just watching. Period. Right. So not like, oh, no, I'm fine. Nope. I'd rather not. I prefer to just watch. Please feel free to go ahead and play like that kind of thing. Exactly. Um, I also think if it comes down to it and people are getting really pushy, having a a a uh, a plant, a compatriot who knows that you don't like to play games, who can say like, oh, no, they're fine. Like exactly. Travis is is indispensable for me as far as this goes. Um, he's really good at when I say I don't want to play or I just want to sit and relax or something like that. He's le- and people are like, oh, come on. He's like, no, she this is fine. She's OK. And as soon as someone is on my side mm-hmm. who understands, then it, it usually stops the cajoling. Uh, this question is from at Dr. Fine Soda. What do you do when you know for a fact someone else is cheating? Oh. This is a tough one. This happened to me once um, in college. My friends and I used to uh, routinely play poker. And one night we were playing with uh, a friend's dad. And he spotted one of the players cheating. One of like our friends that we had played with a ton of times caught him cheating. And after that, like it was really... I wish I could go back in time because we never like directly addressed it with this person and instead just stopped inviting them to the game, Mm -hmm. but never like never told them why. Yeah. So like, and I'm sure on some level they probably knew why, but they were left like, what, what, how come you guys, um, it was not great. It's a delicate balance though, because you don't want to call somebody out and then end the evening. You know, like totally extinguish the party flame and poop on it as a party pooper does. Um, I think that this is best accomplished by one person taking the person aside. So instead of calling them out in front of the entire group, maybe during one of those breaks or even after the game is over, if you notice someone cheating, go to them singularly, singularly. Mm-hmm. And explain to them, I understand that it, that winning is important and maybe it's something that, that is extra important to you, but I did see you cheating. It really hurts the hurts our feelings. It hurts the game night. It hurts the vibe if you when you do that. So please take care not to do it again. Yeah, I, I think, um, I don't know, I... I, I, I for some reason, I feel differently if there's, like, money on the line, like a poker game, than if you catch them, like, cheating Monopoly. Um, but I, I mean, I, there are always different elevations yeah, yeah. of this sort of thing. But I do think, like, saying to the person, like, hey, I, I don't know why you feel the need to do this in a friendly game. Like, we're all just trying to have fun. But, like, just know that I know you did that and we want to keep playing with you. We like having fun with you. But mm-hmm. if... If it continues to happen, you you won't be invited to play games with us anymore because it's not fun for anyone. If- I don't I don't know if you need to mention though you won't be invited anymore. That sounds a little more like uh, like a scolding, and I think that you might get 
more, you might get better results if you emphasize that we really want to play with you. Please yeah, maybe, play better with us. Maybe that's it of like, we'd love to be able to continue playing with you. Um, and, and that takes trust and fun. And yeah, maybe yeah. you don't have to explicitly say, and if this happens again, you're out. Um, but right. But I, really emphasize the idea that you want to keep playing with yeah. them, but it makes it harder when they cheat. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it for us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Schmanners. Um, you can, let's say, um, find us on Twitter at SchmannersCast. Um, you can join our Facebook group. Uh, well, it's not our. Well, we're in it. It's the Schmanners Facebook group. We won't be in charge of it much longer, but we'll still be in it. Uh, but we're going to be appointing some mods soon um, and letting them take over. Um, let's see. You can email us if you have ideas for uh, topics, which, once again, we didn't think to pick a topic beforehand. You think about it while I keep talking. Okay. Um, well, well, we have a little extra time. Maybe we'll do How about we do Jane Austen Sounds bio? great. Okay. Jane Austen bio. We're doing a Jane Austen bio um, because uh, there won't be a Schmanners next Monday. I'm going uh, to San Diego Comic-Con, and then me and Justin and Griffin are going to be on at midnight, Monday the 24th, um, and so I won't be back until after uh, we would have recorded and edited and posted and everything, so we're going to take a week off, um, but you you should watch us on at midnight and then tweet at midnight and tell them how <laughs> great we were. Um, let's see. Continue, oh. dear. Go check out all, all the other amazing shows at MaximumFun.org. Uh, we got some new ones on there. Uh, Inside Pop, uh, Reading Glasses. Uh, go check those out. Um, let's see. What else? I want to get back into Beef and Dairy Network. That was fun. You should. They're award-winning. They're great. I love Beef and Dairy. Um, yeah. So uh, let's see. want to say thank you to Brent, Brent Floss Black, who did our intro and outro music, and to Kayla M. Wassel, who did our uh, banner and logo art. Uh, and thanks to Keely Weiss. Weiss, thank you, who did uh, the photo shoot that you can see as the banner on our uh, Facebook page. Is that our Twitter banner, too? No. I'll make it our Twitter banner. Um, well, we want to keep Kayla's designs in there, too. Oh, that's true. Okay. We'll keep- so Kayla's on Twitter. And Keely is on Facebook. Perfect. Um, let's see. Anything else? No? Okay. No, I don't think so. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.